Well, we're in our fifth lesson of the Rise Up series, and next week will be our final lesson in this particular series. And I'm, I'm excited about wrapping this series. I think we're going to wrap strong, and then we're going to move into our new series. And the new series name is, I'm not going to tell you till next week, so you just have to check it out next week and make sure that you're, you're keyed in. Yes, I'm fishing just a little bit. It's all right. So, But we are in our fifth lesson of this particular series, And in Rise Up, our subject has been maximizing our life in Christ. That's been the entire focus. Rising up to the level of life that Christ died to offer us. And and parts of this have been uh, incredibly exciting and empowering, I believe. And some of it has probably been quite challenging to some. All of that is reality as we are rising up into living this life that Christ has died to give us, to maximize the opportunity that he has offered us. It's it's a great responsibility, but there is also no greater value, no greater reward than being able to step into that life in Christ. Throughout this year, our entire theme has been the kingdom of God, our effectiveness equals kingdom effectiveness here on this earth. Can God work outside of us? Absolutely. But he has made us his ambassadors and his embassies here on earth. And I know that that's a big statement there, and I encourage you to go back to the first series of this year, and I, we, we walk through that very, very um, specifically, if you will, uh, in that first series. And so if that, if that uh, statement kind of throws you a little bit, I encourage you to go back and, and get the, the foundational principles from which I've made that statement. Last week we said that you rise up by choosing to use the authority that Jesus gave you. And let's notice what we're doing. Since we're starting to wrap up this series, I want to give you, I want to make sure that we're all together in the context of what's being taught each week. First, we we identified a goal. A goal for the series is maximizing our life in Christ. Secondly, we identified a key with which we can become successful. That is living humbly. Then we broke down a reason for our success. Why, Why are we successful in this? How can we possibly be successful in this? And the answer to that over the last two weeks has been picking up and accepting the authority that Christ has given us as believers in our lives. So we've been making this this journey, if you will, toward maximizing our life in Christ. Now, our method, our method is key because authority without methodology is potential going nowhere. Our methodology is the, our ability to transition from what can be to what is. So how do we transition our, our uh, authority into, into action in this world? We talked a little bit about that last week, and we're going to break that open just a little bit more today. And our big idea today is this. Rise up by using your words to bring life to your authority. Rise up by using your words to bring life to your authority. Last week we said that speaking to the situation, taking authority within the individual situation, including speaking to it. And today we're talking about these words. In fact, words have always made a big difference between success and failure. 
One of the greatest examples of that is the example of a love song. Songs have been used to woo the person that one desired since the very beginning of time. People sing love songs to one another. They identify with love songs. And in fact, if you go online, there are lists of love songs that people say will take a a special moment and move it into a more intimate moment, maybe. And they're not wrong. Songs have a great power that comes along with music. They change the moment. The dynamic was one thing, and now a song has been introduced, and, and things begin to shift. If you wonder what that would be like, what the world would be like without music, then watch a movie without the soundtrack. It, it doesn't move you quite as much, because music takes you somewhere. But the, the song also depends upon the words that are sung. In fact, one of the, my favorite love songs was sung by Joe Cocker, and it's the song, You Are So Beautiful to Me. Maestro, can you, can you help me right now? You might know this song. And if you do, you might want to just turn and look into the eyes of the one you love. And you can say, You are so beautiful. To me, you are so beautiful. To me, can't you see? You're everything I hope for. You're everything I need. You are so beautiful to me. Now, that's a song that I like to sing to Christy periodically. And she typically just laughs at me. But I believe deep down in her heart, she loves it. I I really believe that. It's a favorite song. But what if I took the same song and simply changed the words? Would it have the same impact? Let's try You have dark brown hair and a little blonde hair and a little red hair. I see you are much shorter. I 
nice person Christy Same song, same tune. Everything I sung was true. Which one do you think might move Christy to giving me a kiss? Now, granted, she may give me a kiss on the I've noticed you're losing some weight part. She, she might kiss me on that. But the first one, you are so beautiful to me, has much more heart with it. it, it the words of the song Trans, transition us to another place versus me just singing true statements about Christy. Songs change the atmosphere, but the atmosphere shifts based on the words. If you're having a bad day, you don't listen to you're so beautiful to me. If you're angry about something, that's not what the, the words that you're looking for. You're trying to, you're, you're trying to, uh, the words are, are transporting you somewhere. And so you're, you're, you're choosing your words based upon where you're trying to go. But when a love song is sung, oh, beautiful things happen because life is brought forth as the one receiving the song is, is lifted up. Tough days can get easier. Positive changes can take place. In fact, words of negativity and hate and hurt, they bring negative changes. But words that are elevational and uplifting, they bring positive changes. The atmosphere shifts based on the words. But what if the words were also empowered by the Holy Spirit? the greatest change agent that exists. What if your words that, could all, that are already powerful, what if they were also empowered by the Holy Spirit? What kind of difference would that make in life, in the world, in your community? And I have three thoughts for us today. And thought number one is this. Words are an external expression of your internal reality. They're an external expression of your internal reality. Reality, and that's why your words matter so much to God and to those around you. You're expressing what's within you. You're expressing your inner thoughts, your inner feelings, your inner reality to your friends, to your family, to your coworkers. That's why words, whenever they are angry words or, or negative words, can hurt so much because what's happening is they're, they're revealing an internal reality. It's not the word itself. It's what's being expressed. In fact, David understood this dynamic and he, he didn't want to hurt anybody. And so he began to pray this in Psalms chapter 19. He said, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock, my redeemer. David wants to please God, and he begins with mentioning the words from his mouth, but he includes the meditation of his heart. Why? Because the words from your mouth reveal the condition of your heart. What you're saying reveals the condition of your heart. That's why a love song can change the atmosphere. It's revealing the condition of the heart. 
When I sing, you are so beautiful to me, to Christy, I'm, I'm, I'm sharing with her the inner reality of my heart and what I feel when I look at her and, and, and observe her in life and around the house. It, 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 I'm telling her, you mean something. You're beautiful to, to look at. You're everything that I've hoped for and everything I need. And, and these are expressions and, and in, external expressions of what's internally true. And therefore... A blessing. But just singing straight up facts about Christy aren't the same blessing because they are simply observational. The words from my mouth reveal the condition of my heart. So saying you have long brown hair doesn't share anything of my heart. It's, it's just sharing an observation that I see. But it's also the, the reason why the scripture can say that a soft answer turns away anger or that a whisper can change a decision because the external expression of the internal reality of the heart shifts things. Who you have uh, influence with, it, it matters what you're expressing. Yes, the words reveal the heart. In fact, Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 says, you brood of snakes. Jesus is not being kind here. He says, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? Then he explains a lot with the next statement. He says, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. What's in your heart determines what you say. It's expressed in your words. So, So filthy words... Equal filthy heart. Negative, condemning, lying words. Negative, condemning, lying heart. Nothing ever came out of your mouth that wasn't first in your heart. That's a heavy reality to understand. The words themselves may not be in your heart, but but what is driving them is. Here's a practical example of that. Sometimes a bunch of guys will get together and they'll start talking and, and so on. And, and somebody will say some kind of salacious comment about a woman. Maybe they want to get in with the guys. Maybe they want to uh, appeal to the guys. Maybe they want to make the guys laugh and so they'll, or, or, or engage them in a, a particular way. And so they'll say something negative about a woman in order to attract the attention of the guys. And on one hand, what they want is the attention from the guys. But what they're expressing is the salacious reality in their heart. That's just a practical example of what I'm talking about here. The desire for acceptance for other men was greater in his heart than his desire to please God or honor women. I think we could say the same thing about anybody who's speaks uh, racially or, or negatively about other people or about their neighbors, about their loved ones, and, and so on. You're, you're expressing externally what's already the reality in your heart. But accepting Christ shifted your internal reality. And you gained access to a believer's authority. So now the words of your mouth have a whole different power and an influence within them because internally you are a child of God. Internally you have believer's authority. Internally you have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to make a difference in this world. So now the words that you speak 
are spoken with another level of strength and power, conviction, and yes, authority, the ability to make a change happen. And if authority is accepted by the believer, you express that authority in words and as spiritual maturity develops, then your words begin reflecting the reality internally. You begin maturing in your words. So the things that you say begin to match what's within you. Immaturity means that my words can just fly out of my mouth, not matching what's in my heart. Maturity says, I'm going to align my expression with my belief. You might say words of faith, like I I don't know how to fix this, but I know God can. You might say words of encouragement. Yes, the situation is difficult, but I know that God is able to give me the strength to walk through this. Maybe words of truth that say, I see what's before me and it's difficult, but God is greater than the problem that I'm in. These are words, but they are expressions of the reality within you. Praise God. How about words of authority where you speak to the situation and you say situation shift in Jesus name, whatever that situation is. And that brings us to thought number two, speak to the potential, not the problem. When you're speaking to something using the authority of the believer, speak to the potential, not the problem. Now, when the issue is a spirit, speak to the spirit. You have many examples in scripture where Jesus and the apostles, the disciples, spoke to spirits and cast them out. And every time they did, the spirit had to go. So if it's a spiritual thing that you're dealing with, you have the ultimate authority whenever you command that spirit in the name of Jesus to leave or to do whatever it needs to do. And and they have no uh, recourse, but they have to go. They have to obey in the name of Jesus when it's spoken by a believer. But when we look at the lame man sitting by the gate beautiful, where Peter and John say, look at us and, and say, rise up and walk, we have no indication that his lameness was caused by a spiritual situation. When Lazarus died, we don't see anything that says that it was a spiritually uh, driven death. It was Lazarus got sick and died. It's that this man was lame and it wasn't a spiritual problem. It was a bone structure problem or muscular problem or some other kind of problem. This wasn't a spiritual problem. So when it's not a spirit, you still have authority. I still have authority involved, but I must speak to the potential, not the problem. Look at Acts chapter three, verse number six. When Peter is speaking to the lame man at the gate, beautiful, he says, Peter said, I will give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Notice Peter's attention. Peter is not focused on the lameness. Peter is focused on the man. He's not pushing against the problem in the man's life. He's speaking to the potential in the man's life. Exercising biblical authority isn't about eliminating the negatives, but it's about asserting the positives in that situation. 
Peter didn't rebuke all lameness from the earth. He, he didn't cast lameness out in the world and banish it to hell, commanding it never to return. That's not what Peter did. In fact, when Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead, he didn't, he didn't address death at all. He said, Lazarus, come forth. He spoke to the potential in Lazarus. Peter didn't address the lameness. Jesus didn't address death. They both spoke to the potential within the individual that they were operating for, that they were reaching for, that they were interacting for. And too often, I believe, as believers, we, uh, we are issue-focused versus potential-focused. We want to destroy sickness. We want to destroy lameness. I grew up in circles where praying for, for people was very, very common. And, and oftentimes somebody would, you would hear somebody saying things like, uh, sickness, I command you to go. And, and, and I'm not against somebody saying that. But I think biblically we see more that Jesus and Peter are saying more, let wellness and wholeness come in versus the other to leave. We know that Lazarus died again. And we, we're not getting rid of all sickness in the earth. It's part of living in a fallen world. And there was no potential in lameness. There was no potential in death. But there was potential in Lazarus. There was potential in the man at the gate. So speak to the potential, not the problem. Speak words of faith. This hasn't happened yet, but, but I know that it will. I believe that it will. Words of encouragement. You are becoming strong enough to handle the situation. Words of faith. I know God's got this. What is the potential that you see in the problem? Every problem has potential. Every single problem has an area of potential within it. Right now, there are a lot of companies that are struggling financially, but there are other companies that are making more money today than they've made ever. Some of them are able to capitalize on the potential in the problem. Speak to the potential, not the problem. How about words of authority? I pray and now speak the potential, whatever that potential is. I speak wholeness into this lame man. I I speak life into this situation of death. Uh, Whatever that is, speak, speak the potential into the situation. And that brings us to thought number three. That the authority of your words equals your relationship with the one holding the power. The authority of your words equals your relationship with the one holding the power. You express what's inside on the outside when you, when you speak to potential and then God works. Remember, you're operating with your authority but his power. And this is a very important point in all of this. And I'm, I encourage you, if you haven't taken any notes to this point, I'm asking you to take some notes right now. Because I, I really do believe this is key. What or how something is said isn't as important as the relationship in which it's said. How or what something is said is not as important as the relationship in which it is said. You might be familiar from television shows and things like that, what a a magical spell sounds like. 
A magical spell is a, a, a formula intended to trigger a magical effect on a person or an object. And you've seen it. You've seen it in, in kids' movies. You've seen it, seen it in kids' books. And, and you know, you, you probably have read the word abracadabra a thousand times in different children's books. Abracadabra is the, the magical spell word that you, you know, twist your wand around. I don't have a wand, but I just look weird doing this. But, uh, but you know, you, the wand is waving about and the, the, the person says abracadabra and poof, something happens. The problem with the spells is this. If the words are not exactly right, if the position of the words are not exactly right, if the intonation of the words are not exactly right, if anything's wrong, then, then the spell doesn't work. And the, the person trying to cast a spell in the, the book, the movie, has to try it all over again. And I think with the people of God... In an effort to explain why certain things do not or did not occur in the way that we thought that it would, we can complicate the situation. And suddenly certain words become the new N-words to use or certain phraseology is is utilized to to try to uh, get this to be what it's supposed to be. And, And... yeah. Maybe this is just my opinion here, and I, I give you that that's the possibility. But sometimes we can, we can turn a relational situation into a ritualized situation. Where if it doesn't happen, it's because we've done something wrong here instead of just trusting the amazing grace of God. And knowing that he can make the right decision as to what should and should not happen. Ritual is not all bad. But it assumes results without relationship. The beautiful thing about communion is that it is a ritual that we as believers go through. But it's it's a, a ritual that we engage in with relationship which makes it powerful and strong and meaningful every single time that we engage in communion but ritual without relationship it doesn't hold any power in a relationship it's not just the right words and making the right moves so something will happen it's having the right relationship with the one who has the power and exercising the authority that they offer you. We said that there are two places that you don't have authority. One is when your will goes against God, God's will and when your will goes against the will of the one affected. So your words must align with God's will when exercising your authority every time. And the closer you are in relationship with him, the clearer you will be on his will. Authority does not work without relationship. And when we're aligned with with, uh, God's will, three statements are true. Here are the three statements. Number one, authority is based on in relationship and not on ritual. Number two, the motive is more important than the method. And number three, 
The love for the person trumps the manipulation of the circumstance. Authority is based in relationship, not ritual. The motive is more important than the method. And love for the person trumps manipulation of the circumstance. Your words reflect your reality. And over time, a pattern will be revealed in your life. What what are your words revealing in your world right now? Are you living in the authority of a believer today? Are you speaking to potential or are you focused on the problem? What's your relationship with God like? Are you tight in that relationship? Operating in your authority because of your relationship? Or are you caught up in trying to ritualize something so that you can make it happen without ever having to humble yourself before the Lord and allow that relationship to develop in your life? I want to pray for you right now. God is gracious. And he wants relationship with you more than you even know you want relationship with him. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, we humble ourselves before you right now. As David prayed, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart, let it be pleasing to you, mighty God. Let your will be done in our lives. Let our words elevate those around us. Let them magnify you. Testify of your grace, of your glory, of your majesty. I pray that because of the words of our mouth, that people will come to know you and experience your greatness. And I believe right now that situations and circumstances will be shifted as believers exercise their authority by speaking words of faith. Like Peter saying, rise up. Like Jesus saying, come forth. I believe you for it. I trust you in it. And we give you thanks and praise for the testimonies that we will hear of you doing an incredible, miraculous work in people's lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And let everybody say amen. Let's worship him for a few moments together as we close this service.